Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Amen. You know, um, no one really likes to get stuck. I, I, I remember there have been times, probably true of you too, but I, I haven't gotten stuck in a car or a truck very often, but kind of coming up on a farm and being out on a farm and everything, I have a tendency to get stuck in a tract with a tractor. Now you have to really be good at getting stuck if you can stick a tractor. <laughs> and, and there's something, I think the Holy Spirit is trying to help me learn to listen to him because there's something about I'll be plowing or I'll be bush hogging or something and I come around and I get, I come over and I'm, I reach as far as I can and I go through the area there and then I say, you know, I think I can make one more swipe by there. And I come through there and I notice the wheels are getting a little bit wet and muddy there and I say, well, you know, I think I can go one more time and then, you know, what happens? I end up miring down and getting stuck and there's usually two things that goes on when you get stuck. You, you, you look around and hope that no one sees you and then the next thing you think of is you look around and hope someone sees you and can help you get out. <laughs> But nobody enjoys getting stuck, but it seems like that happens in life. Uh, I don't enjoy getting stuck in traffic. We were on our way home from out of town the other day and just clicking right on down the road and planning, hey, we'll be home, you know, well before dark until we got to about the Mercedes plant between there and Birmingham and, and uh, it just kind of came to a standstill and we were stuck. Nobody likes to get stuck in traffic. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes we don't like getting stuck with certain people. And there's somebody just popped up in your mind right then. Uh, uh, and people get stuck in their ways. They, they get stuck in their ways. We get, uh, people get stuck financially. I just don't, uh, it's uh, just every day, every week, just making ends meet. I'm stuck financially. Doesn't seem like I'm ever getting ahead. Uh, people get stuck. I, I find young people kind of getting stuck in their, in their youth or teenage uh, years, whatever, and they, and they grow up. They grow up in years, you know, in their 20s and they're getting married and all this stuff, but they're still stuck back into their teenage years in the way they live and the way they behave and their priorities. I read something that was kind of linked with Veterans Day the other day and it said like uh, 1944, 18-year-olds land at Normandy and storm the, storm the cliffs and, and lay down their lives for the nation. 2017, 18-year-olds are whining and crying because someone said something hurt their feelings and they want a safe place. Amen. And, and, and I, I'm not, all 18-year-olds today are not like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I, I'm just saying that there are people today that should be a lot more grown up than what they are, physically, mentally, and spiritually, right? And so people get stuck. It just happens. They... they uh, they get stuck in a job situation. Man, I went to work here and I was going to work for a year or two until something better came up. And I've been here 30 years. I just kind of got used to it and I got stuck in, in that job situation. People get stuck in their past. They can't, get, they can't seem to, to get to the day and look to the future because they're always living in the past. They're stuck in their past. I guess the, the main thing we need to take note of is that people get stuck in sin. Uh, sin is real. Sinfulness is separated, that God, man has sinned. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None perfect, no, not one. And sin separates us from God. Sin kills. And so 
man without Christ, we're stuck in our sin. We're stuck in that state. Psalm, I like what the psalmist says in Psalm 40, verse 2. <clears throat> Psalm 40, verse 2 says, the psalmist says, He lifted me out of the pit of despair or out of the mud, the miry clay, and he set my feet on the rock, the solid ground, and steadied me as I walked along. I'm so grateful that even though I was a very young man, I was stuck in some things in my life until I came to Christ. And when he came into my heart, then my life changed. And I, I got unstuck and he brought a freedom into my life, a new life. Uh, there might be some people today who need help. They're stuck in that miry clay of a state of sin and separation from God. I'm here to tell you that God has provided a way for you to get unstuck. You don't have to remain in that state. You can know him. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have a brand new life. Sometimes people, uh, they, 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 uh, they get stuck in, in this, this area where they um, are stuck in sin and, and have a difficulty in, in recognizing they're coming to a place of receiving Christ and, and being brought out of that position uh, because, well, there's, there's different reasons. One may say, well, I'm good enough. I, I'm, I'm good enough. I don't need any help. As long as you think you're good enough, don't need any help. You'll never get unstuck. You have to have someone to get you out. His name is Jesus. Some folks uh, maybe get to a point where, well, sin's no big deal. It doesn't make any difference. But it does. Sin is deadly. And um, it, it is, is something that God has provided remedy for. Then there's some folks that say, well, you know, I think I can earn God's approval. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it by earning God's approval. I'll just try harder. Then did you know that there's some people that have a hard time getting unstuck in their sinful state or in that life of separation from God because they don't feel like there's any answer for them. They have a hard time accepting grace. You know, there's some people just have a hard time believing there's someone that can love them. You understand that? I mean, that might, that might be true of some here, that there was a time in your life to where you didn't think that you were lovable or worthy of that. And it was just hard for you to believe that someone could actually love you. And that applies to our relationship with God. There are people that struggle with the idea that they have a heavenly father, a God, heavenly father, who loves them, who really, really loves them. Oh, but how could he love me? I mean, look what I do. No, I'm telling you, he loves you. He loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how Christ, that's how God demonstrated his love for us. So, one of the roles of us as Christians, believers, is to share with people and get them to understand that God does love them and get, bring them to a place to where they can recognize, do you understand it's not because of your own worthiness, it's not because of your own righteousness or goodness, but God is love. God loves you. And if you receive that love, you know, there's people sometimes they'll come and say, well, I'm just not growing in my faith as I should, and there's just some things going on in my life that, that, that I know that need to change. And here's what they'll say. They say, I just, I just need to love God more. I just don't love God like I should. Now, how many of us have confessed that one time or another? And there's truth to that. But you know, that's not the real problem. The real problem is not that they don't love God enough. The real problem is they've not experienced God's love for them enough. Because I'm telling you, if a person really experiences God's love and what he's done for them, it'll change them. It will change. Good place for amen. Start saying amen, Pastor. Okay, good. Uh, and and we, we all believe that. We all believe that. Now, 
let's face it, there's times, there's times when we have gone through our life, we've gone through life as a Christian and we felt like we kind of stalled or we hit a sticking place in our spiritual growth. Today we're talking about help, I'm stuck in reference to the series on transformation changing from the inside out. Sometimes people get stuck spiritually. They get stuck at a particular level. I've had people come to me after they've been worshiping here with us for a while. They say, I've been, I was brought up in church. I, was, I attended every Sunday for 30 years and I never grew. I gave my heart to Christ. I knew that we were saved through him by, you know, by the, his death on the cross, but I never grew spiritually. I'm pretty much where I was 20, 30 years ago. How, how sad is that? Now, it's not necessarily the church's fault or anybody else's fault. Who, who has to take the responsibility? The, the, the person. But it's true that people can be exposed to this all their life, but still never grow and mature. And spiritual maturity is extremely important. People just get stuck at a certain level in their spiritual life, in a particular place in their life. I call it cul-de-sac Christianity. Cul-de-sac, where they get to a certain place and it's a dead end and they just go round and round and round. Never really getting anywhere. No forward progress. It's fourth down, got a punt. There's no forward progress. I'm not moving ahead. I'm, I no longer feel like I'm growing and, and, I'm, and, and really experiencing the transformation of my heart. That I, should. I don't know whether you can identify with that, but I can look at different times in my life and I can identify with it. Times that, that there were things happening in my life and my relationship with God was seen to be progressing and, and, and I was experiencing a, a new level of faith and enjoying his presence. And then certain things happened and I, it, it seemed, it, I didn't notice it maybe at first, but then after a while it just seemed like, well, I'm, I'm just here. I'm not really, I'm not really going anywhere. I'm not moving forward. That, that's what we're addressing this morning for just, just a few minutes. Uh, would you go to our theme verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And uh, I'm going to read the, uh, from the NIV or a New King James Version, very similar. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more next week because next week I'm going to talk about being squeezed. Today we're talking about being stuck. Next week we're going to talk about being squeezed. Sometimes we get squeezed into some places in our life, and I think there's some good words for all of us to hear next week. But right now we're looking at uh, the importance of renewing your mind of transformation. And transformation means metamorphosis. There's a change that's taking place. And it should take place from the inside out. The message paraphrase puts it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Transformation, not getting stuck. Many people struggle today and they fail at transformation. They just, it just comes to a halt. They get bogged down. Well, what do you do when you get stuck? If it seems to happen to everyone, what do you do? God wants to get you unstuck, but to set you free. But according to John chapter five, uh, there's some things we need to do. Near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool with five porches. In Hebrew, it is called Bethsatha.
A large crowd of sick people were lying on the porches. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. A man was there who had been sick for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that the man had been sick for such a long time. Do you want to get well? Sir, I don't have anyone here to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else gets there first. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Immediately. The man got well. He picked up his mat and started walking. John chapter 5, Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda. And there to pool, it's, it's a place where there's a portico, porches around it, a pool in the center. And tradition had that with the, the water that was there that, uh, that you could come there and get in and be healed. But only at certain times when they believed that there was a presence or the coming of an angelic power, angel there and the waters stirred. And at that time, whoever was in the water would be healed. Now, Let's look at three simple things here we find in John chapter 5. What do you do when you get stuck in situations in your life? Uh, from John chapter 5 verse 6, Jesus, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he'd already been in that condition for a long time, actually 38 years. He'd been that way for 38 years. And Jesus said to him, he asked him a question, do you want to be made well? Does that not seem like an absolutely ridiculous question to ask someone? I mean, he saw the man, he looked at him, he saw what state he was in, and he, and he looked at him, and I believe this was, might have been pretty close to the way it was. I, mean, I wasn't there, of course, but he looked at him and he says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Well, that brings me to the first step that we need to take when it comes to dealing with issues in our life where we're stuck, where we need a miracle in our life. And, and that is, you need to ask yourself the question, do I really want change in my life? Do I really want a miracle? Do I really want to be delivered? And don't settle for the way things are. Expect to change. Sometimes people as Christians, they get stuck in a survival mode. They've struggled for so long. Things have been the same. 
You know, it kind of reminds me of, if you've ever driven through some areas, maybe there's a paper mill or something <laughs> nearby and you begin to smell this aroma, aroma you know, this smell. And you go into this town here and when you get out of your car, you smell it horrible, stinking smell going on. You know, he says, and you ask someone, how do you, you folks live here? How do you, how do you deal with this smell? You know what they say? What smell? What smell? Well, can't you smell? Oh, no, no, no. I know what you're talking about. But we got used to it. We got used to it. Sometimes as Christians, things start going on in our life. and we get to a certain state, things we're dealing with. And there are difficulties, struggles, questions we don't have all the answers for. But we get to a place that unfortunately, here's what happens. Unfortunately, we can't look beyond that place and we get stuck. Well, I'll just make it through another day. Things are never going to change. I can imagine how many days over these 30 some odd years that someone had helped this man to this place and he finally got to where each day he expected it to be the same except if he happened to make it in the water at that very amazing time. I think the miraculous must have taken place from time to time in that water because they still wouldn't have been gathering there for all those years if they had not seen someone healed. So it's kind of an interesting story, but sometimes people don't go on and see the change in their life because they're stuck in a survival mode or sometimes they get stuck in a discouragement mode. Boy, I think some of us can identify with that. You get hammered with some things in your life or you've been looking for some answer, waiting for some miracle some breakthrough in your life. But day after day and week after week and month after month, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And what usually sets in is discouragement. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and nothing has changed. And you get to the place to where you're just ready to give up. And so you're never gonna move toward any breakthrough. If you get to a place where you're so discouraged and got so used to your situation that you're not willing to, to to adjust, you're not willing to move on out for change, then you will not get beyond that. First thing, you gotta really want it. He said, do you want, do you want it? The second thing is in verse seven of chapter five of John. What was the man's response when Jesus said, do you wanna be well? The man said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. In other words, the first thing that happened was excuses. How many of you know that excuses have prevented us so many times from experiencing God's very best in our life? How many of you know that excuses oftentimes have put us in a defensive mode as Christians to where we start blaming everyone else? You see, the first thing wasn't say, oh, I, I need help. He didn't ask Jesus to help him get in the water. That might've been what was on his mind. But the first thing came on his mind, he was blaming somebody else, Lord. I'll never get well because I don't have anyone to help me. I don't have anyone to get me in the water. I want to encourage you today. All of us have done this. I want to encourage you today. If there's some, if you feel like God's doing something in your life, if you feel, if you're at a place to where you know you're at a juncture and God's calling you to do something or moving forward or there's something you've been going through that you really need to be set free from or break loose from, something to happen in your life and you've come to the place to where you've kind of got stuck and, and it doesn't seem like you're making any headway there and you've made up your mind, God, I want change. I want things to be different in my life. But maybe you've got discouraged over a while 
and, and because you haven't seen it happen, I want you to come up out of that discouragement and say, God, you know, this is the way things have always been, but it doesn't have to be the way things are always going to be. Man, you'll never walk in faith if you get to a place where you settle that this is the way things are always going to be. Never. Never. Faith will not operate in that. No, it, it will not because you've just given up. Now, I know people say, well, sometimes you just have to face facts. You have to deal with what is, is. You have to deal with the situation. Well, yeah, that's what, that's what you're going through right now. But don't lose sight of the fact, don't lose sight of the fact that beyond that, there's something else. That God has something more for you. That if you make a decision, then God can bring you out of that situation. Don't give up hope. Don't give up faith. Don't get stuck and just start blaming everyone else for your problems. You'll never ever do it. You'll get, you'll get to a place to where all you do is make excuses, become critical, and, you, and hey, look, let's just start looking for the answer and stop looking for excuses. Amen? First thing, do you really want it? Second thing, then stop making excuses. Third thing is uh, in John chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, Jesus said to him, rise up, take your bed roll and walk. If you're going to ever see any change, here's what you got to do. You got to do what he says. Boy, I know that sounds so simple. I know it sounds like, man, I say, look, you went to school and got all the education, got a graduate degree, and you preached for, you know, been in ministry for 50 years, and that's all you can tell me. Well, it's one of the most important things I could ever tell you, and that is learn to do what he says. Just do what he says. Man, we're good in the church at just hearing it. Most, well, most people are good at hearing what he says. We're good. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. But what does the word say? What does the word say? What did James say? What did he say? He said, don't be hearers of the word only, be doers of the word. Faith always demands action. Faith is an active word. Now there is the noun said that this is my faith. This, this, is, this is my belief system. But faith in the context of the Christian life is a word of action. Faith requires corresponding action. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. And then in all those situations, he tells them to do something. Get up and walk. Go wash, go wash your eyes. And there's places of obedience that unless we take those steps of obedience and action, we'll never experience breakthrough and we'll stay stuck. Oftentimes we hear the truth, we hear what God wants us to do, and we get just that place, but we don't ever follow through and do anything about it. That, that's, so we never see any real lasting results. Did you notice his response in the very next verse? It says, immediately. Immediately, or at once. At once. The man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. Now, this simple little verse describes the way you and I are to respond to God when he speaks to you or when he gives you his word, when you read his word and he puts something in your heart to do and he gives you some and you are to respond to it by yes or no, obedience. You know the way we respond to God? Look, I know. Have been times that things have happened in your life and you knew that God was speaking to you and you knew that there were things that, that needed to happen in your life and you put it off? Is that how many times you just kind of drug your feet 
and you waited and you waited and you thought God might change his mind and you thought things, you know, the reason some people are stuck is because they, they got to a place to where they disobeyed God and once you begin to do that, you know, there's a principle in scripture, a biblical, a kingdom principle, and that is as you receive light, you walk in light, as you walk in light, you receive light. It's a constant. You walk, I have light. I walk in that light or knowledge. I walk in that knowledge. But if I reject or do not receive that light, then I don't receive any greater light. You understand? It's process, it's progress. The more light that you receive, the more you receive God's word and walk in it, the more he gives. The more you receive and walk in it, the more he gives. And it's a constant increase that's going on. What happens in our lives as Christians, sometimes we get to a place so far that God puts something in our heart to do. We know that we're a certain place in our life, but we begin to resist that. We resist what God wants to do. We resist him. And when we resist him, you know what usually happens then? We get all muddled and confused. Well, I just don't know what God's will is. I just can't figure it out. I, I, I just don't know what, what I'm supposed to do next. Most of the time the reason you don't know what to do next is because you're not doing what you should do now. Write that down, Pastor. That's a pretty good statement that, that uh, it, it is important. It is important for us to see that he immediately, as soon as he heard from God, he didn't wait around and say, well, should I do this or not? What, what are going to be the repercussions? Let me tell you, there's more to the story that we didn't get to. I don't have time to really go into it. But he got, he got his bed rolled up and he began to walk. And one of the first places he walked was in the midst of all the scribes and the Pharisees. And you would think the religious leaders would have said, wow, man, I've watched you for some of these years, 20 or 30 years, and you, you, you uh, beggar and you, you, you're crippled in a horrible state, but now I, I see you walking miraculously. Hallelujah, praise God, this is wonderful. No, their response was, as soon as they saw him, he says, don't you understand it's the Sabbath and you're not supposed to be walking with a bedroll in your hand on the Sabbath? That is religion at its worst. In fact, that's basically religion. Yes. Instead of recognizing the goodness of God and the miraculous power of God, then we've got to make God conform to our image in our way and say, you don't do it that way. Well, he said, well, look, you know, someone came to me and, and, and told me to do this and I did it. He said, they asked, well, who was it? Who was it? He says, you know, I never really did, I never really got his name. Interesting, right after that, that Jesus comes to him again to check on him. Not that he was doing news, doing well, but he came and connected with him again, and the man realized who did it for him. And then he told the crowd, and of course, the Bible says it's from that time on that they set their minds, they were determined that they were going to get rid of him and deal with this Jesus. But hey, no big deal for one man because his life had been transformed and he was just doing what he had been told to do. Yeah. How many, how many things that have happened in your life that hurt? How many things happened in your life that limited you? How many things happened in your life that you wished had never happened? Do you know why they happened? Because we didn't hear from him and do what he said to do. Yeah, I know there's an enemy in the world. I know there's Satan. I know we live in a lost world and there's trouble in it and sometimes you get, you get hit with it. I understand that. 
But so much of the despair and hurt and pain that we faced in life was of our own making because we didn't say yes to him. Now, I, I think one of the most important things we can do is to accept that as being true. What was the last thing that you remember God told you to do? Have you done it? Jesus will meet you where you are, but he does that in order to bring you where he needs you to be, where he needs you to be. No one likes to have engine problems, problems with vehicles. And I notice, I notice some spiritual, you know, where, where a, an automobile, a car stalls. And I notice some spiritual parallels. You can stall because of a malfunction. There's something wrong with the machinery. There's something wrong on the inside. Things are not functioning in the way they're supposed to. <laughs> when I lived in Kentucky, there for a year or two, I had a, a little Volkswagen. Actually, my dad found it down here and, and brought it up there and a little white Volkswagen. We called it Lightning Bug. And a little white Volkswagen came there because see, where I lived and passed in this little county seat town, and and by little, I mean it really was little when we first got there. Thank God it wasn't too little when we left. But uh, I was was there and and the place where I went, Asbury Theological Seminary is located close to Lexington. I live close to Louisville, Kentucky. And so, and there was no real interstates real close by, so you had to go over the mountains through the woods type thing, you know. I mean, it, it, was, like, it was like an hour and 45 minutes, two hours one way just to get schooling back, and I went there four days a week. So I'd have to leave out about four or five o'clock in the morning, sometimes wouldn't get in until about four in the afternoon, try to take three or four classes back to back as quick as you couldn't get home. And so I need reliable transportation. Let me tell you that that little Volkswagen was not it. I can't tell you how many times that little thing stalled with me. I remember one time I got almost into the little town where we lived. Got almost there. There was one bridge to cross, and then it was downhill to the house where we lived. And I, there wasn't anybody close by, so I got out, and I pushed that little booger by myself over the bridge, down the hill, and rolled it into my driveway. Well, I don't necessarily need to go into the next, rest of that story, but I, I guess I could just for a moment. It actually... Uh, uh, Cheryl, who is my cousin who plays this keyboard here, Cheryl and Coy Bragg, um, actually they, they took the Volkswagen after that because it broke down one run. They took it. Her dad took it when he was alive. He took it. I think they put a new, another engine in it. And I think if I might be saying Cheryl and then her sister and then her other sister drove the wheels off of that little booger to go to JSU all those years. But it wouldn't work for me because something was malfunctioning. Something was wrong on the inside. Some people have a problem. They stall out in a Christian life because there's really something going on inside that needs to be dealt with. I say, well, I wonder what that is. Ask the Lord. In fact, as I'm saying this, it's very possible that the Lord, by His Spirit, has already pointed some things out to you. Well, you know, there has been something that's been holding me back. The other thing I notice when the engine stalls, it not only a malfunction, but sometimes it stalls because you run out of gas telling all my old car stories and haven't had that many cars over my years because I just wore them all out for me. But I had, my first car was a 55 Chevrolet. Yay, 55 Chevrolet. Wish I had it back. And uh, I bought that little 55 Chevrolet for uh, $50. I was about 15 years old and I bought it. 50, I'd been watching it for about a year. It was in a barn up in one of the neighbors. It was, I saw it up in his barn up there. Uh, we called him, his, I don't know what his first name was. He was a colonel. 
but we, everybody called him Pinky, Pinky Brian. I don't know how he got that, but anyway, he was, he kept it out there, and I, and I drive by, as I had a motorcycle, so I drive by, and I'd, I'd see that sitting out there, so, you know, you got to start dreaming. You got to, oh, God, you know, I, I think I'd like to have that. So finally, uh, uh, what had happened before, we used to see him come by the house all the time. It was, uh, we'd see him drive by about 35, 40 miles an hour, we'd see him drive by, but then couldn't see it drive by anymore, and then we saw it was up in the garage. What happened is he wrecked. He ran into somebody and wrecked the front end. So, yep, I turned that age, bought it for $50, had the front, fixed the front quarter panel there and painted it, and I was driving 55 Chevrolet when I was 16 years old. When I turned 16 on my birthday, I drove, I, I, I drove to high school in, in that. Well, there was something about that 55 Chevrolet that at that time, if you're like me, you didn't have a whole lot of cash to put gas in it. Of course, it didn't take much. I could fill it up for $5, you know, pretty much, about 5 Six dollars because gas was like 19 20 cents a gallon. So, so you know, I run that thing, and it here's the amazing thing about it the gauge worked, but when it got to half tank, I learned that you could watch it move. And as you drove, it moved. And you know how a lot of cars, and I've tried this on most every automobile that I had, that I, I tried, you know, when it gets on empty, it means you've got several miles left. <laughs> Not the 55 Chevrolet. When it just touched the E marker, bang, you roll over on the side of the road. Listen, you'll stall spiritually if you run out of gas. You've got to keep your energy level up. That energy level is kept up by spending time in the Word, time in prayer, by fellowship with other believers, by worshiping the Lord. You must, by walking out, living in faith, you must keep your energy source up or you're going to get stuck in some situations. Another reason a car sometimes stalls because of outside influence. If you ever come through a flood or anything, you're driving through and you hit this body of water here and it comes up and kind of drowns out, the, the, the engine drowns out. Sometimes people are stalled from the outside in. They get confronted with situations going on in their life they don't know how to deal with and they get stuck because of that. We can have spiritual souls. So here's some things as we close. It's too easy to get stuck in a comfort zone, in a sweet spot in your life where you stop exercising. It's important that we guard coasting as Christians, that we have diligence as believers, that we rededicate our heart, we renew our passion, we have accountability partners that will, will encourage us and pray for us. It's important that we don't settle for less than God's best and fall in mediocrity just getting by. I heard someone say one of the greatest condemnations that can come into the life of a Christian is that he or she has settled for an ordinary life. One of the greatest condemnations that can come into the life of a Christian is that he or she has settled for an ordinary life when God has so much more. They, they, they get stuck in a comfort zone. Secondly, they, 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 they lose focus. You can, you can get stuck in your spiritual growth and transformation if you lose focus. The focus begins to turn to stuff, to things, or the focus turns to self. You get self-centered. It's all about me. If you got that, you're never going to grow and develop spiritually. If you're self-centered, you're never going to grow and develop spiritually. The third thing is, is you just get weary and tired. Man, we've all been there probably. You're facing troubles, battles, things going on in your mind, maybe family problems, uh, financial stuff going on, and you just get tired. You just get tired. And so you come to a place of no spiritual progress and growth. Another thing is that will stop you in your spiritual growth is when you compromise. 
This will do it about as fast as anything. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week. When you compromise. When you compromise in your faith. When you are like the world and everything else that's going on. Now we know that the Christian life is all a process. It's progression. It's moving forward. But sometimes it seems as if that progression stops. There's no forward motion. We've lost our momentum. Did you know that studies show that churches and individual Christians experience from time to time they experience a cathartic, a cathartic moment in their life or times in their life. It's like everything's moving along and then you hit a speed bump. You hit something there to where you just sit there for a while. Did you know, now I need to insert this, did you know that sometimes you're making progress when it doesn't look like you're making progress? Lord, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. That's a wonderful learning period for you probably. God doesn't withhold something from you in order to get you to beg for it. God's not the one who withholds anyway. He's the one who gives according to the scripture. He does not withhold any good thing from those who follow him, the scripture says. Well, it does seem like he does because, man, I, did, I got a lot of stuff that, you know, that I don't have. God hasn't done my life yet. There may be various reasons for that, a lot of different reasons for that. Well, you know, that happens. That happens. But... The important thing for us to know, the super important thing for us to know is when you're at that place, when you're at that place in your life and it doesn't seem like you're going anywhere is don't give up. Don't worry. Don't get caught up in a state of negativeness and complaining and saying, Lord, why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? Do you know that doesn't belong to the faith category? Why don't you? Why don't you? Because in the faith category, you're saying, God, I thank you that you have. I just haven't received yet. It hasn't manifested itself to me yet. The natural order of things is for energy to wane and things to come to a grinding halt. But the Christian life is to be different. God created a new life in us, folks, daily by his power from glory to glory. God wants to change us and make us stronger and stronger to walk through these difficult places. Let me encourage you today. Focus on the outcome, where you're going, not on where you are. Every one of us may hit a speed bump every now and then, but you don't have to stop and stay there. I love this little statement that kind of ties everything together when it comes to God's goodness and moving in our life for transformation is that the best thing God will ever do for us, he already did. Well, God, why don't you do this for me? He already has. He did. Well, I don't see it. It doesn't matter. He did it. To become a recipient of it, we believe and receive it and learn how to walk it out. It may not happen immediately, but learn to receive and walk in it. People who have trouble believing that and saying, well, I don't know where faith works that way or not. Then you've got a problem with how you get saved, salvation. If you're a Christian, the way you're a Christian is not because God needs to do something for you. God, do this for me so I'll be saved. You know what the answer is to that? I've already done it for you on the cross. I did everything you needed for your salvation. There's nothing else I need to do in order for you to be saved. Apply that to everything you need in your life. There's nothing else he must do in order for it to happen. So guess whose responsibility it is for us to receive and walk in it.
Lord, Lord, I want to hear you and receive what you have for me and walk it out in faith. Hey, look, every one of you faced certain situations in your life or maybe go through it right now where you say, you know, I, don't, I, I never thought my life would be like this. And that's not necessarily a good statement. You never, you never thought you'd have to deal with some things you're dealing with right now. And when we look back at an account like we read in John chapter 5, say, wasn't that amazing? Amazing. What a day it was. What a day it was for this man to see this miraculous happening. Oh, if I had just lived back in the day of Jesus, if I'd just been alive when Jesus could have passed by and healed me, if I could have just been there. That's why it's so very important for us to hear what the word says, and that is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus, who did those miracles, did them in obedience to the Father. He heard, he saw what the Father did, and he responded in faith. He responded in faith. And he said, the disciples didn't want him to leave after he finally resurrected from the dead. Lord, just hang around for a while. Oh, we got you back. Hang around. Jesus said, it's better for me that I go. And then he explains why it's better for him to go. Because Jesus in his fleshly life would only be in certain places and certainly circles. But because he went to the Father, Jesus said, I go to the Father. And if I go to the Father, I'm not going to send someone. He's called the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, He'll lead you in all truth. When the Spirit comes, He'll be your comforter, your paraclete, one that stands alongside you. Then you have to understand that the same power, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will then live in you. So let's stop making excuses. Oh, if I just lived in the day of Jesus, if I just lived in the day of miracles, we are living in the day of Jesus. We are living in the day of miracles. Well, I haven't seen any miracles. That doesn't change a thing. It doesn't change a thing. It just means you haven't seen any miracles. But will you believe that God still does the miraculous? And will you believe that God still raises the dead? And will you believe that God will give sight to the blind? And will you believe that he'll give hearing to them? Will you believe that he will, that will you believe that he will give strength for people to raise up and walk in his name? Do you believe that he is there available to set you free from whatever the enemy has brought against you? Do you believe that he'll prosper you and bless you so you can accomplish all that he has for you to accomplish? Do you believe he wants good for you? Do you believe that Jesus Christ came that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly or to the full, complete? Jesus said, do you believe, do you want to get well? Then stop making excuses and do what I say and wait in faith because your miracle's on the way. Don't settle for where you are. Don't. Amen. 